So just to uh, say at the beginning, I um, have five points. They're not five long points, but if you would benefit from engaging this morning by doing some drawing or something else at the same time, uh, there is a table uh, in the corner. So uh, do, um, do make use of that space if that would be helpful to you. So uh, you may have read the Collins English Dictionary's word for the year for 2022 was permacrisis, a combining of the words permanent and crisis and describing an extended period of instability and insecurity. And it's not difficult to see why this word was chosen. Pandemic, war, climate change inflation, cost of living. However, whilst permacrisis may be trending as a new word, and the instability and insecurity it describes may be unprecedented in many of our lifetimes, I'd like to suggest that the experience and feeling of permacrisis is not a new one. In our Bible reading from Matthew this morning, you might find it helpful to have it open in front of you or up in front of you. It's Matthew 2, beginning at verse 13. And if you're in the, uh, Bible, the church Bibles, it's 966. Uh, so in our reading uh, from Matthew this morning, we have Mary and Joseph fleeing to Egypt and the horrific killing of all the baby boys in Bethlehem under the age of two, by King Herod. The scenes of angels, shepherds and magi that we most associate with the birth of Jesus depict just a short respite in a Christmas story that Mary and Joseph might legitimately have described as a permacrisis. They have already had to come to terms with the news that Mary was expecting a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit, when they were betrothed but not yet married, and the burden of shame and disgrace they would likely have experienced. They've had to travel to Bethlehem for a census, and now it's not safe for them to return home. An angel appears to Joseph and instructs him to take Jesus and Mary and escape to Egypt and to stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That's right, the beginning of our passage, verse 13. Now at the end of our passage this morning, we're told the angel of the Lord once again appeared to Joseph, informing him of Herod's death, and that it was safe to return to Israel. Joseph is then subsequently warned in a dream that Archelaus, Herod's son, is reigning in Judea and so returns to Israel to live in the town of Nazareth, in the district of Galilee. We hear about that in uh, verses 19 to 23. So at the point the angel tells Joseph to take Jesus and Mary and flee to Egypt, there's no time scale for how long they must remain there. We hear the beginning and the end of the story in the space of 10 verses. But we need to remember that when they're told to flee to Egypt, they don't know how long this is going to be for. So Matthew 2 verses 13 to 23 is part of the Christmas story 
and yet we very rarely recall it at Christmas, and with very good reason. Verses 16 to 18 are brutal and harrowing. Yet, as we've said goodbye to 2022, the year of permacrisis, and look forward into 2023. This morning's reading reminds us that the Christmas story is about more than a day, or a week, or the month of December, and more than lights and festivities and joy and celebration, because it's about the one who joins us in our darkness and points us to the light. And there are five reminders that I take from this passage, and helpfully, uh, they all begin with the letter P. So, um, power, pain, plans, presence, and promise is where we're going this morning. So, power. King Herod was powerful, and he was paranoid. On his orders, two of his own sons were killed as he feared they might threaten his power. When King Herod was close to his own death, he ordered that key figures in Jericho be gathered and killed so that there would be mourning in the land when he died, just in case no one was going to mourn for him. This order was thankfully not actioned, but this was, how, this was the power of King Herod and this was how he used or misused his power. The news from the Magi that a new king had been born and the subsequent realisation that the Magi had not returned to him with details of where to find the baby, that threatened King Herod's power big time. And so he gives the order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who are under two years old. That's verse 16. Now, the inclusion in Matthew's gospel of how Herod responded to this potential threat to his power would have been rightly shocking to its readers. But in a landscape where such brutal and horrific misuse of power was commonplace, that's the point of giving you a bit more context about Herod, in a landscape where such brutal and horrific misuse of power was commonplace, there may also have been a degree of comfort or reassurance for Matthew's readers. That even in the darkest of dark situations, scripture is being fulfilled and God is bringing forth his kingdom. However powerful King Herod was, God was more powerful. However powerful any earthly person or ruler believes themselves to be or aspires to be, God is and always will be greater. So the passage reminds me about power, how power can destroy, and we all need to be alert to that. As power increases, so can the fear of losing it and the actions it can lead to. But also, this passage reminds me about God's power, how the gospel right from the incarnation has emerged through the darkest of times. I've heard on a number of occasions how this part of the Christmas story is what helps Christians in conflict zones 
to keep their faith. They can relate to such violence and brutality. If these were the circumstances for Jesus' birth, if Jesus came to redeem in the face of such evil, if the gospel can survive this, it can survive anything. There is hope. So, uh, first reminder, power. Second reminder, pain. The backdrop for Christmas in Matthew's Gospel is pain and suffering. A town overcome with grief, weeping and great mourning. Uh, That's verse 18. Pain and suffering don't stop just because it's the 25th of December. There isn't peace on earth, and this can be the hardest time of the year if you're missing a loved one or struggling to make ends meet. If how you're feeling doesn't match up with the bright lights and tinsel of the Christmas adverts, rates of domestic violence are higher at Christmas than at other times of the year. This passage in Matthew's Gospel reminds us that Jesus didn't come in spite of pain and suffering, but rather he came in the midst of pain and suffering. Jesus is the promised Messiah in whom God himself becomes vulnerable and joins us in our darkness to fulfill what was promised in the Old Testament scriptures and to bring forth just what a people in darkness needs, a kingdom of justice, mercy and peace. So second reminder, the Christmas season is good news for those who dwell in darkness, not those who are basically fine and enjoy singing Christmas carols. The Christmas season is good news for those who dwell in darkness. So that's second reminder. Third, uh, third thing. I was reading uh, an article earlier this week which was describing the Boxing Day blah. I don't know if that would be your uh, summary of Boxing Day, the Boxing Day blah. Uh, After weeks of planning for Christmas, whether that's at school, at work, at home, or even at church, suddenly it's over. And some things will have worked out as planned, but often things don't. They don't work out as expected or planned or hoped. There's a book that I really like uh, by retired uh, schools inspector Gervais Finn, and it's called A Wayne in a Manger. And it's entirely devoted to anecdotes from school nativity plays. The wise man who arrives at the stable, unable to remember his line. And so instead of saying, I bring frankincense, says Frank sent this. In small and big ways, life doesn't always work out in the way that we plan or expect it to, or we hope it will. We're at the start of a new year with the annual onset of ideas for resolutions and self-improvement. And each of us will approach 2023 differently. For some of us, there may be relief that 2022 is past and a fresh sense of hope for the future. For some of us, the opposite may be true, and there may be anxiety that 2023 
has arrived. For, for some of us, goals and aspirations for the year may be helpful. For some of us, it's just another Sunday. In all the expectations and pressures that can be around, I find it helpful to be reminded that life didn't work out at all as planned or expected for Mary and Joseph. That Mary would give birth to the Son of God, who was worshipped by angels, shepherds and magi, only for the family to be refugees in Egypt, and that later that baby would die on a cross for the sins of the world. Mary and Joseph did not expect any of that. Yet in everything they face, God is present and working his purposes out. And so these are the two final reminders that I take from this passage. God is present in the angel of the Lord, leading Mary and Joseph and Jesus to safety. And God is present in the baby Jesus. I mentioned earlier how, Je how in Jesus, God humbled himself. He made himself vulnerable and came to be with broken humanity in all of its brokenness. That's what we see in our reading this morning. This morning's reading is not a nice reading, and it is a reminder that God is not just present in the nice, but also the not nice, humanity at its worst. In all that Mary and Joseph went through, God was present. And whatever any of us are going through or will go through, God is and will be with us. And God is not just with us, but working his purposes out and keeping his promises. You may have noticed similarities between Herod and Jesus in this passage and Pharaoh and Moses in the book of Exodus. You may also have noticed three references to the Old Testament prophets in these 10 verses. We have uh, Hosea, a quote from Hosea in verse 15, a quote from Jeremiah in verse 18, and then in verse 23, uh, a reference to uh, the beginning of Isaiah 11, Isaiah 11 uh, verse 1, where the word for branch is Nazir. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear uh, fruit. That's what's been referred to uh, in verse uh, 23, when it says, uh, so um, was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Matthew wants the reader of his gospel to know that Jesus is the promised rescuer through whom, even in the most awful of situations, God's purposes are being worked out. The Old Testament prophecies that Matthew quotes are about the renewal of Israel and Israel's return from exile. And so we have in this passage a reminder that God keeps his promises. I don't know what your word to summarise 2022 would be. Uh, perhaps permacrisis would be it, or perhaps 
something else. And I've got to be honest, um, another dictionary did suggest that goblin mode was an option for 2022, but that didn't work quite as well for my sermon. I'll let you look that one up if you don't know what goblin mode means. I don't know what word you hope might summarise 2023. But this New Year's Day, my invitation to us is to be reminded of the message of Christmas, and this is still the Christmas story, the message of Christmas, that's not just shepherds and angels and wise men, that lasts beyond the Boxing Day blah, beyond the dismantling of the Christmas tree and the returning of the decorations to the attic, beyond even the replacing of the reduced Christmas puddings with the Easter eggs on the supermarket shelves to be reminded of the gospel that came in both power and humility, to guide and to redeem. The God who is present with us and keeps his promises to us. It's an invitation to be reminded of the one who came to join us in the darkness, who can hold all of our pain and suffering all of our plans, our hopes and our disappointments, our fears and our failures, and point us to the light. To be reminded of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.